Today's guest on the podcast is Sandra Etherington. She is the owner of Family Personalities and the co-host of the Family Personalities podcast, a fun and sometimes cheesy podcast that uses personality types to help change the way you see your family. So super interesting conversation with her. We talk about personality typing and how important it is. And we talk about why some people don't like it and the cons and we kind of debunk a lot of those myths. So pretty cool on that end of things because I am a super, super duper fan of personality typing. I tend to lean toward Enneagram, but I am going to book a call with Sandra (laughs) and figure out my Myers-Briggs because I think I've got mine wrong. Um, But if you would like to know how personality types play a role in your family. That's what this podcast is really about. And I spoke with her on her podcast and my episode will air a little bit later than this one, but we had a really great conversation over on Family Personalities podcast as well. So if you're interested in learning more about your Myers-Briggs type, go to her website, familypersonalities.com and book a consult call. If when you book, you mention the same 24 hours podcast, you'll get $10 off. And this is great. This is great stuff because then you can learn a lot about yourself and a lot about how to communicate with the people that are in your team. (laughs) Teamwork makes the dream work. That's right. I hope you all enjoy this episode with Sandra Etherington. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Are you looking for some coaching, some life coaching in a very inexpensive and self-paced module? Of course you are. Check out the Handel Group's Inner You. It's a self-paced online coaching program. In this program, you are going to learn to deal with the areas of your life that are causing you the most suffering or doing great and like a lot of it, right? We've There are areas of our life that we've got down, but there are these bleeder areas that just keep coming up over and over and year after year. And that's what Inner You is here to help you figure out. So check it out, Inner You, the letter U, I-N-N-E-R-U dot coach. Scroll down to the bottom, click on Inner You Life and use the code SAME24 hours seven five. And right now you will get it for half off. In the future, you'll get $75 off. So this is a big deal. It's one one time for life, one payment, and you're in for life. So interu.coach by the Handel Group. Follow the Handel Group and check out everything that they do, putting out such great content. These are my coaches. I believe in them. And you're going to see much more from all of us in the future. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am very excited about our guest. Sandra is here. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So we are talking about personalities today. 
which is very exciting. And I'm not sure how we came across each other, but um, it must have been Instagram. We were talking about the Enneagram and then Myers-Briggs, all this. And I said, oh my gosh, you'll be perfect to come on my show and talk about family personalities and the like. So give everyone a little bit about your background. Sure. Hmm, my background. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. My, yeah, my background has nothing to do with personality type other than I have one. Right. Um, <laughs> as do most of the people in my life. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I actually found myself in the corporate world in my first career and was not very happy there. And, but that's where I actually first discovered the main personality type that I work with, which is the Myers-Briggs personality type model. Um, I discovered it in a training in the corporate world and I just resonated so deeply with my type, which for those of you who are unfamiliar, Myers-Briggs is the personality type model that's denoted by four letters. Um, and so mine is an INFJ. And I just remember reading the type description and being like, oh my gosh, how does this website seem to know me better than I even know myself or anybody else knows me <laughs> in my life? And I was just like, kind of creeped out by it. <laughs> And also I got a little emotional. I was like, oh my God, someone understands me. Right. Um, and so I looked into it and I was like, how does, how does this really get to the core of who someone is? And I was just like blown away by what I read and what I learned. And then fast forward a few years, um, I left that career and I was um, a mom and I began to wonder, you know, about my kids and do they have a personality type? And when does that oh, yes, show up? Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> right? That's what you found out real quick. You're like, oh, yes, uh, they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially when you have a second and they come out completely different from the first. And you're like, whoa. Oh, you're like, oh, that's how that works. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I just began looking into it. And when I discovered their personality types and began parenting in a way that complemented their personality type and, you know, giving them more of what they need instead of what I thought they might need based on what I needed when I was mm -hmm. a kid, which was my first instinct as a parent, but it, your kid's different from you, right? So they, right. they actually have very different needs from you. And I was just kind of um, blown away by how much that helped me understand them. And then I would talk to other people and they were like, oh, this is really interesting. I want to know more about this. And eventually I went and got the training and just decided to help other people with it. Well, before I had you on, I went back and did some digging to pull up my Myers-Briggs oh, test. Oh, okay. I tell me, tell remember, me. I couldn't remember <laughs> what I was. Um, INFJ. And I read it and it seems so weird because I don't know. I don't, I think I need to retest because it doesn't resonate. Not as much as when I read the Enneagram number. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, someone's been looking in my underwear drawer. Because <laughs> that <laughs> one was spot on. So I must not be right on my correct Myers-Briggs. Yeah. And I will say with the, with any personality type model, but definitely with Myers-Briggs, the assessments are notoriously inaccurate. Um, so don't rely on a, a quiz you do online. It's a fun starting place, but definitely uh -huh. do not rely on the results of something like that. Okay. So how do you recommend finding your type? Like Definitely work, work with a professional, unless you have oh, like lots of time okay. on your hands to read and learn about the model yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, work with a professional who knows and who, because it's really, there's on the surface, Myers-Briggs seems really simple. Um, and a lot of people actually reject it because of that, because it's an either or thing, right? Like the first letter is E or I, extroversion or introversion. And a lot of people's snap thing when you say, are you an introvert or an extrovert is, well, I'm both. Or like sometimes right. I'm an introvert, sometimes I'm an extrovert. 
right? And that's true. It is true of all of us. And the Myers-Briggs model does actually recognize that, um, but it takes understanding it at a deeper level to understand how that plays in and whether you have a preference for introversion or extroversion, which part of you is introverted, which part of you is extroverted. And you really need to work with someone who understands the model and then can be one-on-one with you and tease out all the complexities of who you are as a human. Right. Right. And the funny thing about introversion and extroversion, I mean, anyone that meets me would be like, well, you're totally an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm not. I can, <laughs> I'm not like, I will have to go lay down after we interact. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's to me is where I learned the difference for me personally, what introversion was for me. It's like being in crowds, being with lots of people that sucks energy versus giving me energy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, totally. Oh, so I'm an introvert. I like to be alone to recharge. I can totally relate to that. And that's with all the Myers-Briggs preferences, that's actually a really good way of looking at it. You know, like the third letter is thinking or feeling and all of us can use logic. All of us can make decisions using, you know, values and, and um, taking care of other people's emotions, but which one is exhausting if you have to do it all day and frustrating and feels just wrong versus Mm which one is more natural and you kind of get in the groove and feel like really good about it can do it all day long. I don't want to think or feel all day long. Where does that? (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I never thought about it that way, but I think um, I'm definitely probably more feeling. I think, I mean, I tested out whenever I did it, I was an INFJ, but I felt like it, it's been a while. It's been a while. It could be. I tell you what, I, if I could tell you the number of INFJ podcasters that I've met, it's probably more than half of the, the people that have been on podcasts <laughs> have been INFJs. It's right. like a, it's, it's something we like doing. <laughs> right. And something like you're introverted, but extroverted, you can do it from your yes. house and you really don't have to talk to anyone in person, yeah. which is yeah. I, a INFJs, big Yes. INFJs, ISFJs, we're like the, the extroverted introverts. We have that like drive ah. to connect, but we're in the end, at the end of the day, we're, we're introverts and we need that rest. Just like you said, going and laying down. After yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you, where do you find a professional? I'm sure there's a website, you enter your zip code or whatever, but how do you, I mean, how do you find someone to, to coach you in, in, about your type? And then what is the purpose? Cause this is what, and I know what the purpose is. It's just, I'm just go to you, but yes. what is the point of these tests? Why do we yeah. care? Yeah. Um, so check out my website, www.familypersonalities.com. I mean, that's what I do is I work with people. I type with them and I do it in a family context. So understanding um, you in context with the rest of your family and your differences Mm. and your similarities. And there's a lot of different ways you can use Myers-Briggs. And one of the main ways you see it is, you know, in the corporate world and in teamwork, understanding how to work on teams. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. Wait, people do. (laughs) Teamwork is the worst. What type is that? (laughs) Uh, get me out of this team (laughs) um and the way i view it in the family is you know your your family is kind of like a team right like we're all kind of going (laughs) especially right now um and so learning to work with your parenting partner and understanding how they're coming at something very differently from you what myers-briggs has given me is compassion and empathy for the way that other people do things and also an appreciation for it. I, it's embarrassing to admit, but I used to look at other people and if they're doing things differently from me, I'm like, they're doing it wrong. Right. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but now this is giving me like a whole new way to look at it and see that there's right. equally valid ways of being in the world and of making decisions and of taking in information and of communicating information. And if you can understand how the person opposite you and your family is doing that, you can relate to them better, work together better, have language to use to work through problems. And then the same with your kids. Yeah. Um, and it, well, it, empo- it empowers them too to advocate for themselves in like a learning environment. Um, and just understand more of what they need too. Yeah. Well, and now I'm remembering because my husband is an I N T J. So I'm feeling that's what my husband is thinking. (laughs) And so I call my husband's nickname is the expert Mm -hmm. for reasons that need not be disclosed. I mean, he knows everything, (laughs) but you know, it's really, and then on the Enneagram, he's a three and I'm an Mm -hmm. eight. And okay. most people would be like, wow, that's, those are two really strong personalities. And our, our kids, like my daughter's super strong personality. Mm. So the three of us are, and then we, my son, who's the oldest, he's on Enneagram four. I haven't Myers-Briggs typed them, but mm. so he's like the individualist. He's like, I don't belong here. He's a self-designated black sheep because he <laughs> has to be. So I think what's interesting about the family personality dynamic is it's how we just like you said how we relate to each other so he's looking at the three of us like these loud mouth big personalities with all their opinions there's no room for me i'm going to come off to the side and be very quiet and like withdraw and so Mm. i've learned like through that work to see how to speak to him and be like you are very unique you are very special and we desperately need your input you know and yes he loves that he feeds off of it because it makes him feel special and valuable in that way while we're all over here just barking orders <laughs> you know, the three of us yeah uh, yeah and isn't that like a great gift that we can give our kids yes. understand more of what they need yeah absolutely and you and it can be a really frustrating I think the thing that I realized early on is that when you have a child who's so different than you are if you don't get a hold of that really quickly it can be very hard, not just a parent, but very hard emotionally on the child. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can be really damaging. And a lot of what you see when you're, when, when I'm typing adults is a a really difficult time identifying which preferences they have, because a lot of times we have something drilled into us as a child and through our whole life that a certain way of being is wrong. So like Mm. I can say for myself, um, I self-identified as a thinker because for me, I grew up and I don't know if it was entirely my parents, but, you know, maybe just the society in general or just whatever messages I was getting was that being sensitive, um, crying, feeling emotions, expressing emotions was the wrong way to be. And that, you know, you're supposed to make every decision you know, with complete objective logic and don't show any weakness. Right. Yes. Yes. Now you're talking to me because that's, that was, you know, don't ever let them see a sweat. Yeah. And so I grew up thinking that's the right way to be. And by the way, I'm an Enneagram one and our motivation is to be good. Right. And so in order to be good, I needed to not show emotion or have emotions, but I did have them. I just like pretended like I didn't to myself and to everyone else. Yeah, And so as an adult, I didn't identify as a feeler because to me, that was a bad way to be. Um, sure. And so it was actually huge self-growth when I discovered and admitted to myself that I'm a feeler 
and learned that that's actually a superpower because all of the preferences and all of the functions in Myers-Briggs have, you know, a superpower to them. They all have drawbacks also, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but understanding the positives in that, that was actually my feeling side is actually the part of myself that I value a lot that I hadn't identified, which was that I'm an incredibly empathetic person. I'm, I am really loyal and caring to my friends. And I always felt like I was the first one that they could come to when they were struggling. And I was proud of that part of myself. And I hadn't recognized that without my sensitivity and my big emotions, I would not be able to be that super empathetic person to other people. Right. So just being able to yin and yang, right? Yeah. And so just being able to have that like pride for that part of myself was really big. And I think if we could give that to our kids, that like pride of who they are on the inside, like what a great, I mean, that's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. That's interesting um, that you're a one. So like the connection between, and I'm not an Enneagram expert, at any stretch of the imagination, but I have a couple of clients who are ones and I see where eights and ones are very similar, mm. but like ones kind of turn um, like the anger or the disappointment on themselves and become like mm. sort of twisted toward perfectionism where mm. eights will just be angry <laughs> in yes. general at the world at anyone else. But right. they're very similar in like the quest for justice and like, you know, goodness and wanting things to be fair and equitable. Mm-hmm. And I think that the crossover is really interesting. Yeah. Interesting there. Yeah. And so you have kids? I do. I have a five-year-old and a seven and a half-year-old. Oh, you said that. So ha- what, and what types are they? My son is the same as my husband. He's an INTJ. Okay. Which is fun to live with two of those. And <laughs> my daughter is um, an ISFP. Okay, I as feeling perceiving is P yep. perceiving. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's kind of your little black sheep, then. She is. Yeah, she's yeah. the most different out of the out of the four of us. She's the most different. Um, you know, she definitely has that very sensitive side, but it's a little different from what my sensitive side was growing up. And the interesting thing that a lot of people don't know about Myers Briggs is that the letters are not standalone, right? So, like a an INFJ, the way they, they use their feeling is different from the way an ISFP uses their feeling. And the main difference is whether you're a P or a J, that perceiving or judging, that really changes how you use your other functions. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that she's a, a, a feeling perceiver make, means she uses her feeling very differently from the way that I do as a feeling judger. And so that's um, an important distinction to make when you're trying to figure out what is upsetting my child. <laughs> And how can I help the situation, help her process her own emotions? Sure. So what are some of the criticisms around personality tests? So I have a friend who refuses to believe in any personality test because <laughs> it, it is it is a label. It means you don't mm-hmm. change. It means mm-hmm. that you rely on it. Like for an eight, it means that you just allow yourself to be angry. And I'm like, no, it, it actually, learning my Enneagram type changed my life because it taught me my basic fears. Mm-hmm. It taught me my, you know, so many things I had not tapped into, which is why I tend toward anger <laughs> because they're all connected. So to me, it was like a door opened. It wasn't an excuse made. Yeah. It was a door open to myself. And then even more so it allowed me to understand my clients. So I have everyone take an Enneagram test. So I understand who they are. So I know how to communicate with them. 
That is the biggest gift. And so that's my, (laughs) my opinion, not the expert about Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, but the personality test in general, like what are the criticisms and what say you to said criticism? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the big criticisms is that you're labeling, putting in a box and then that you have are developing a fixed mindset because of it. Right. So you say like, oh, this is who I am and I can't change. That's just who I am. And it is true that your personality type doesn't change through your life. And so some people really hate that. They really push back against that. Like, what do you mean? Like I grow as a person. And that's not saying that you don't grow as a person and change as a person. Just saying that your natural inborn preferences are the same. Like you're, you're always a natural, have a natural preference for introversion. And that doesn't mean you can't extrovert. Like you're doing it right mm. now. I'm doing it right, right now. <laughs> I want to lay down, but it's fine. And it's, yeah. And it's a skill you can develop, but it's, but Myers-Briggs doesn't measure skills. It measures preferences. And then for mm. Enneagram, it's about that defense mechanism that you put into effect early on in your life. And you carry that with you through your life and you can learn to work through it and not have it control your life. Right. Um, but it, it just is what it is. Um, and then that can be a big criticism for, you know, typing kids is, oh, I don't want to label my kid or put them in a box or have limiting beliefs about them. And so I just think that you need to be careful about what you're using it for. Like, I certainly don't mm. want to be like, you know, oh, my daughter's just a little feeler. She can't handle anything because she's too sensitive. And that's not right. what Myers-Briggs right. is about at all for me <laughs> personally. For me, it's about how to give your kids more of what they need and help them grow. And kind of the main thing that I use with Myers-Briggs with kids is understanding the functions, which is a whole nother level. And we won't really go into it, but each type has four functions. Um, and kids really, uh, only use or exhibit their first two functions early in life. And it's really important to help them develop those two because the, the last two functions, which are your weaker functions, can't develop well until you've developed those first two functions. And so we talk mm. about what they are and how to help them develop those in a really healthy way. And they can become like a really strong version of themselves. Sure, as they grow sure. older. And I know just personally in our family, if you... If I hadn't recognized, and this may sound like for those of you who are really excellent parents <laughs> and you're like in tune, you're probably going to be like, oh my God. But to me, it would have, I would have been like, what is with this kid? Why does he want like that? Because yeah. I'm just so controlling. Like it's, that's part of who I am. But to understand that he prides himself in being different and being an individual and being so artistic, like that is, that is the only way not the only way, but that is one of the most powerful ways we have to communicate with him is, is to mm-hmm. communicate with him through that individualness that he prides himself in, that he may be developed out of necessity, right? But yeah. that that's part of who he is. And so for parenting, um, for me, understanding that personalities are different. And like you said, they don't change per se. We Like the basic tendency is the same. And realizing that as a parent, you're not going to get a change in the human, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> that, that's who they are. And to love that. Yeah. I like to use the metaphor and I I've done this in, in person, um, uh, workshops that I've done of, of, of a plant. And so what I'll do is I'll have, you know, a few volunteers stand up and I'll, I hand out four different types of plants, you know, like one is like a baby tree sapling. And when it's like a basil plant, one's like a, you know, some sort of succulent. 
And, you know, I, I, I assign each person one and I, you know, I say, would you switch with someone if you could? And usually there's someone who'd like, yeah, I'd rather have the succulent because it takes less care or, you know, I'd rather have the, <laughs> the basil plant because I can eat it or whatever. Um, and I say, well, what if you treated your succulent like a basil plant? Would it turn into a basil plant? Oh, really? No, I mean, you'd be damaging. You wouldn't be giving it the climate that it needed, the type of what, you know, how much water it needs, you know, that sort of thing. And it's the same with our children. I mean, we always get the child we that thought we, we wanted that we basil. wanted. <laughs> and you got the cactus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just at a very basic level, my son came out, you know, he, he was the worst sleeper his first year of life. He was colicky. And he just had this negative demeanor for like the first three years of his life. Like you looked at him and he would just scowl at you. <laughs> and his favorite word was no. And he didn't want to cuddle. And I was like, this is not how I imagined my child to be, right. you know, but you can't turn your child into something by treating them, but like someone they're not. But what yeah. you can do is understand their needs and give them as much as that as you can so they can grow into the best succulent or the best yeah. basil plant or the best pine tree or whatever that they, they can. Yeah, similar experience with our guy. Um, but he had a sister that came really soon. So, you know, he mm. was 14 months old and here comes sister. And mm. so, you know, he developed out for sure out of that but um he was a little crabby thing too and i used to post pictures of them on social media all the time when they were kids and he would not smile for the camera and it got yeah. to be a joke with you know, my <laughs> audience then like when he turned 10 11 he started to smile and people were like he's smiling you know yay he's smiling yeah. um but yeah the little crabby personality is a <laughs> baby it's like a little old man why are you so mad yes <laughs> what are you so mad about it's funny so what are the biggest challenges with what you do? Like, um, the, is there a subset of people who are super resistant? They take offense to it. Like they want to, like, what are some of the challenges with, with typing? Yeah, I, I haven't encountered that mostly because if people are reaching out to me to type, it means they're already open to it. Right. Yeah. And so usually people are, are all in and, and gung ho and, um, and generally very open and, and willing to, you know, analyze themselves and, and their kids. Um, so the biggest challenge really is just is teasing out what that actual type is, because there's so many things, especially as adults, that have clouded our, our perception of ourselves, um, that it can be really difficult to land on a type sometimes. And so it takes a lot of back and forth. And I never, I never charge more for extra typing sessions if it takes us multiple sessions because I, I never want someone to like pick a type because we ran out of time and have oh. it be the wrong type. <laughs> like that's that's my worst right. fear, especially as an Enneagram one. I make everything right, you know. Like my worst fear is mistyping someone. Sure. Um, and so you know that's the biggest challenge. But I have to say it's actually my also my favorite part. It's just like a puzzle to me to sort out, and I really enjoy. Really enjoy puzzles. <laughs> what What are the things that make typing hard? Like, if you have, if it takes you a really long session. I mean, is it the people pleasers in the room because they want to make sure they're making everything perfect and right? Like, what are the hardest to nail down? Like, what are some of the traits maybe that show up? Um, it can be hard if, if there's like a um, the thinking feeling one can be hard, especially if it's a male who's a feeler or mm. a female who's a thinker, because a lot of times you've been conditioned to be the opposite just because of your gender. 
Um, and really, you know, in feelers, I can't remember the exact statistic, but I think it's about 60% of feelers are women and 40% are men. So it's not, you know, as much along gender lines as, as one might think. Um, but it is slightly a little more, you know, female feelers than, than male. Um, but because men are conditioned, you know, not to show emotion or value, you know, emotions and, um, feelings in their decision-making, they can have a hard time picking that when you're going through the typing process. And then same often for, for females who are thinkers. And so as you're typing someone, do you, do they have to come to their own assignment? Like, do you, you know what they are like pretty quick, <laughs> but it's like Enneagram, you're not supposed to type your friends. You're supposed to let them yeah. come to it. You're supposed to sit there and watch them. While yeah. they're like, I think I'm a three. You're like, no, you're a five. What is that? You know, it's like, um, yeah. you know, a lot of times I'll get a feeling, you know, pretty quickly on like, and so I'll keep kind of like pushing and re-examining it, but I'm not always right. There's definitely been times where, where I'm surprised by what they pick, but then I'm like, you know what, actually that really does fit. And, um, and definitely people pick their own types. You know, i not here to put anyone in a box or assign a type to them. And part of the important part of the process is going through picking that yourself and the self-discovery that comes with it. And so the practitioner that works with you is just a guide. Um, yeah, I can't remember yeah. the original question. No, I can't either. Totally. I can't either. <laughs> but like, I mean, and it's important, oh, true or false, it's important to realize there is no bad type. <laughs> True. True. Right. Very true. There can be a lot of type pride. Like yeah. My type's the best type. And uh, my husband's a good example of that. Every time I tell Correct. him some, someone's type that's very different from him, so he goes, they're a what? What is that? <laughs> what is that? ESTP? What is that? <laughs> that? That sounds about right for an INTJ, but I had to write it down. I don't know why I can't. I have a mental block about like what type can't remember letters in succession oh, of four. It's, it's hard when they're in like all, you know, there's so many different versions of them. <laughs> but also, oh shoot, I had something. Ugh, it's gone. I'm having um, one of those mornings. Well, Slow about morning. like, is there a type that isn't good oh, is better yeah, yeah, than yeah. the other? Yeah. Um or not. <laughs> again. Told you it's lost one of again. those mornings. I woke oh. up this morning like in a fog. <laughs> it's one of those warnings. I mean, it's like the pandemic fog. Some yes. days it's really heavy. Last night there was a school board meeting that ran until midnight um, here mm. in our county trying to figure out what to do. And I'm just, I was on a school board when I lived in Atlanta and I thought I have never been more glad to not be on a school board than oh at gosh. this precise moment. <laughs> when a do board, you guys start like, school? I don't really even know. I, I I'm sure there's a date, but I haven't even looked because there's so many options right now. They're trying to decide, are we doing like a couple days in person, totally um, remote, hybrid, mask, all that. Like if you're in person, you're in a mask, blah, 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 blah. And so for me, everyone is getting really riled up and emotional. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm a thinker um, because <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, none of this matters until a decision is made. They've made no decisions and people are just getting so, you know, high energy about it all. Mm. And I just think I'm not going to invest in this until there is a decision and then I might explode. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's maybe, maybe I'm more of a thinker than a feeler. If I'm like, I'm not emotional about it. I guess um, I realize there's really nothing I can control. Mm -hmm. 
And so I just, what can I control? I can control if I send my kids to school. I mean, I can choose that and I can choose how much I teach them at home, (laughs) which will probably be not as much as I should. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're taking almost like a perceiver approach to this where you're just like, there's there's no reason to make decisions ahead of time. I'm going to keep my options open until I have to decide Hmm. or until, you know. Receivers are, are are a lot better than I am at kind of taking life as it comes and not trying to make decisions too quickly before the, all the information is in. Yeah, but I'm a very snap judgment though. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if they were like, hey, Meredith Atwood, do you want to have school or not have school? I'd be like, we're not having school. Everyone mm. go home and get your desk set up. You know, so I would make yeah. a decision based on no information. Yeah. <laughs> but well, maybe, when, yeah. maybe you've just done so much self-work that you can just roll with it right now. <laughs> maybe a- that. That's probably it. I mean, I am a self-help like nut job. So there's probably <laughs> something to that. I'm just like pulling out some Tony Robbins somewhere in there. Um, well, what are some of the things that you would want to encourage people to be open about with personality testing? Because I know that, that we've talked about some of the... Um, you know, the pretend, the potential like negatives that people perceive. And you talked about how it can help you in a corporate culture, but what are some of the things we haven't talked about that we might really be missing if you don't know you, yours and your family's personality type? I think um, one thing that I've just thought of as you're talking about school yeah, is, uh, you know, a lot of our kids are going to be learning at home, whether we're homeschooling them or assisting them with distance learning or, you know, whatever it looks like in your family. Um, but I think one big way that we can help our kids is understanding how they learn. And there is a Myers-Briggs personality type um, uh, aspect to that. Yeah, And so being able to communicate material to your children in a way that is that they're going to retain it can actually Myers-Briggs can really help you with that. And I did an episode on my podcast, actually, um, I don't know, maybe five or six episodes ago on the sensing or the intuition preference pair, which relates to how you take in information from the world. And that can be really Mm. helpful in communicating with your children, whether it be you're trying to teach them something or you're just trying to tell them to do their chores already or, (laughs) or how to do their chores and then communicating with your spouse too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your best advice for parents? Where are we missing the mark? Oh gosh. It's just all so unique to each person, right? But like, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm going to switch because we've been talking about what your children need and all that, but I'm going to say, understand what you need and get enough Mm. of what you need first. And so understanding your own type, what exhausts you and getting tips for, you know, just like after a podcast episode, you hear an extrovert, take a little rest. There's other things within your Myers-Briggs personality that are going to be really exhausting for you. Having patience with yourself, knowing when you need to rest and go into your own type instead of trying to stretch to that opposite side of yourself is really helpful. Uh, That's really good advice. Take care, know yourself and take care of yourself. Yeah. And it's not selfish. It's... No, it's necessary. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's taken me seven and a half years of being a parent to finally realize that. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're either going to learn it on your own or you're going to learn it the hard way. <laughs> you will learn it. Right, right. 
Well, Sandra, thank you so much. This was great. Um, tell everyone where they can find your podcast. It's called Family Personalities. It's on all the podcast platforms. Uh, you can go to my website, familypersonalities.com. It's also there as well as a little bit more about what I do. And you can follow me on Instagram and my handle is Family Personalities. Very good. So everyone contact Sandra, get, get properly typed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do that now um, since I might be perceiving. <laughs> Who knew? Um, but thank you so much. This was great. And um, I look forward to following more of your work. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.